They're like my favorite podcast to listen to. Get a sound check. Alright. Yeah. You have your laughing all over this thing. Dude, I love them. Here we go! It's the Triforce. Welcome to the Triforce podcast, everybody. I'm Colton, drinking some coffee because it's really late and I had a really long day at work, so I need some coffee and, you know, I started drinking this coffee recently. By the way, hi, Zach. Hi, Rain. Uh, just wanted to hi. say hi. Um, I, I found an interesting blend of coffee the other day. Oh, yeah? Um, it's got, like, mushrooms and shit in it. Oh, um, no, do it. And it's... I, I'm reading... There, one of the uh, one of the mushrooms is like, it's it's like a seed. It's like core cordyceps. Cold, I think. Don't do it. Um, I'm gonna try it. Let's hold on. Stop right. it. Mm. Don't do it. Mm. It's been nice knowing you. Oh mm. no. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's that's really good. Why? What's the matter? Um, I guess we have like halfway through this podcast before you start losing your mind and becoming a mushroom man. So. Um, you better that, get this done quick. That happened a long time ago, my friend. I went to Detroit. I went to uh, Colorado. Mm. All right, let's go. Actually, I'm different gonna eat some of this mushroom. Mu- Very different. Yeah. Well, let's try this mushroom parmesan. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I'm hungry, man. <laughs> let's- okay. Uh, is the only thing in your house mushrooms? Like, are you going to be all right? No, I'm done. <laughs> you know what? It's good. It's good. I I'm, I consider myself a very fun guy, so that's why I have all, oh, all these mushrooms here. Mm-hmm. I don't have mushroom for you anymore in my life. I need to- <laughs> Yep, I got you. <laughs> uh, anyway, hey everybody. I'm, uh, I'm Zach. Mm-hmm. I'm Colton. I'm Rain, <laughs> and I'm tired. <laughs> We're, we're all very tired, but uh, we're here to deliver you this prime content. Anyhow, Rain, how's the moving stuff going? We've uh, we've we've missed you, but we've recapped DBZ in the meantime. How is everything? Everything is stressful. I hate moving. It's probably like my least favorite thing to do. We've been slowly but surely packing up everything in the house. Just we have really- a lot of stuff. <laughs> Which is really what you'd have to do, uh, maybe not everything, but at least some some important essentials, if the zombie apocalypse were to happen, uh, for 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 instance, uh, and uh, that's uh, that's pretty much the the theme, and where our starting point is for the game that we're talking about today, which is The Last of Us, which came out in 2014 from Naughty Dog, uh, developer, and published by Sony. So uh, this game's kind of gotten like almost this, I wouldn't say cult following because like everybody seemed to really like it. Like a lot of a lot of people who call themselves gamers uh, really enjoyed, really enjoyed this game and really hold it in high regard. It got remastered. It got a DLC. So it's it seems to be a a pretty uh, a pretty shiny God in the uh, in the zombie apocalypse video game universe. Yeah, it's it's pretty out there. I mean, I I don't think I know anybody who plays video games that doesn't know The Last of Us in some regard. It's a beautiful game. I was watching a playthrough of it because I had never actually played it. So I sat down and watched like a full playthrough of this game. And it's such an interesting concept for a game, because like when you when you think of a zombie game, 
you think of like a Resident Evil or you think of a Left 4 Dead and you're just kind of going around, oh, I'm this special, special tactics and uh, stars, whatever the stars acronym is. I, I'm, I'm fucking, uh, I'm fucking Jill Valentine or I'm Chris Redfield, Leon Kennedy. I'm just super agent and I'm here to save the world. No, you're just this guy and you just, just some dude. And you just got to survive and you see what it's like when humanity is like torn into factions of the military and the survivors, the resistance and the fucking zombies. It's crazy. These are just normal ass people. And you never get that in a zombie game. And the zombies are cool, too. Like that, that was a really cool concept for a zombie because it's like almost plausible. I'm, I really wanted to talk about that. But before I did, Rain, you have any thoughts before we get into this? Yeah. So I actually I played um, The Last of Us a few years ago. Uh, my, gla- my game, though, glitched maybe three fourths of the way through it. So I never got to finish it up oh, until no. today where I finished the game. Finally. Oh, very nice. Um, but um, one of the things I really like about The Last of Us is that it has a sense of realism in it where like you have to craft these things and your weapons break and, you know, it's a normal person who went through loss going through this story and then a kid who's also dealt with all of this going through it. And it's just I appreciated it. I think this game is stunning and beautiful. I don't know anybody who doesn't like The Last of Us. Right. So uh, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Uh, there's uh, plenty of people that have had... Uh, the only reason... The reason that we're talking about this is to hopefully set up um, uh, a later time in which we can talk about The Last of Us 2, which uh, divided the community a little bit. Just a, just uh, a teeny bit. Teensy, teensy bit. Just a little bit. Um, but we're, we're here to focus on what we're here to focus on. So... I'm going to to lead us in in talking about the cordyceps virus. Mm-hmm. The cordyceps virus is the main is the Z virus is is the kind of pivotal. Is it, is it a virus though? Because isn't aren't I, mushrooms like, like it, yeah? So it's spread by spores. It's spread by either yeah. inhaling spores or being bitten by an infected. Yeah, individual. so it's like a parasitic. So, it's a parasitic infection. All you scientific people. Oh, I like this. You're f- incorrect uh, because uh, it's actually the best depiction of a virus. It is the it is the most actually accurate description decrypt, uh, mm, depiction of something that could be called a virus uh, in zombie media. Because in zombie media, for the most part, what are zombies? Dead. So anybody who's even casually familiar with science, Rain, I know that you're a very, very big science nerd. So perhaps you can answer the other half of the sentence for me. A virus needs a living host host. So most of the times in which zombies are depicted as dead and they're like, oh, it's a virus. It's a big, oh, it's a big, scary virus. It's spreading all over the place. They're wrong for the most part. That's that's not that's fantasy. Uh, whereas this, you know, uh, a, a mutation is occurring and it's spreading. So I actually think it's probably one of the better better depictions of like a zombie apocalypse caused by specifically a viral infection. Well, mushrooms also need a living host. Sure. And but that, uh, what I'm trying to say is <laughs> the people who are infected by the cordyceps virus aren't dead. 
they're just insane and now covered in mushrooms that are growing throughout their body. Sure, you can die from it, but only after a very, very long time or by being killed by somebody, you know, or by, you know, falling. <laughs> I don't know anything that, uh, you know, you have to be directly killed. So these people are not dead. They're formerly alive individuals, kind of like the ghouls in Fallout for me. Right. They're, that's kind of the way I feel about it. Which is it, super interesting, actually, now that you bring it up, because, like, they can be killed by normal people means, you know? Like, a zombie, yeah. typically, when you think of a zombie, you're like, oh, that thing can't die. It's like, yeah, it can. You just shoot it in the back of the head. But only you shoot it in the back of the head, you cut off, like, the brain from the rest of the body. That's the only way to kill it. No, they, these are normal-ass people with mushrooms on them. Yes, you know. Correct. So other than that, they're just normal people, and like anatomically, so they can die from like chest shots, from bleeding out, and it's just it's interesting. From getting curb stomped, you know, any of the various ways falling that you out could of a die. building. You yeah. know, they just have a lot less concern for their own safety, if we want to put it that way. So, um, and uh, yeah, so I think that one of those normal people is our protagonist, Joel. Mm. So uh, for game number one, for The Last of Us, uh, we're going to dive right into the story here. So the uh, prologue introduces us to Joel, who is a single father who lives in Austin, Texas, with his daughter, Sarah. Uh, Joel comes home late one night, and Sarah is asleep. Uh, however, she wakes up and she realizes that the day is not over. It isn't past midnight and it is still Joel's birthday. Aww. Oh, adorable. So Joel comes home late, late. He's tired. And Sarah's like, oh, happy birthday, dad. And she gives him a watch. That's very specific. Uh, that fucking watch gets more screen time than most named characters in this series. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So. Sarah, his daughter, the two of them, they joke around and watch TV until Sarah falls asleep and Joel brings her upstairs. All very idyllic, very adorable. But, you know, that doesn't last very long, as it seems. So Sarah wakes up in her bed when the phone uh, begins to ring in their house. Uh, so on the other line is Tommy, Joel's brother, who is a very, very also very important character. He tells her that he needs to talk to Joel urgently before the line goes dead. Sarah then searches the house for her father, but he's not there. Uh, he eventually appears inside uh, after breaking through their back glass window after fending off something. Uh, this is kind of just uh, it, it uh, is described as one of the one of their neighbors. So Joel kills this. Thing in front of his daughter and tells her we gotta go so i gotta ask like if you're if you're sarah in this situation like what are you thinking about like really what is what's going through your head when you know your father's just killed somebody she's even she even says something to the effect of like you killed him uh so she's shocked but uh you know this is the this is kind of the watershed moment like what do you what do you do in this situation you know um i mean <sighs> And everyone else is like freaking out at that point, right? Yeah, I mean, so. I, I would say that it's 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 not it's not quite the 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 lid hasn't quite flown off yet. But I mean, initial thoughts, you know, like what's going through your head? Uh, my m me personally, or like a normal person? Yeah. 
Like what? That's what I'm saying. Is like, what would you expect? Like at this point, like Me if personally, I, if I broke into your studio and I said, Colton, we gotta go. I just shot your neighbor. He just tried to bite me. I, you know what? Me personally, because of all the zombie media, I've no pun intended ingested. Um, it's just, <laughs> I'd be like, well, shit, say less. Let's go. <laughs> like, nice. We just clearly, you wouldn't have shot him if he bit like. He bit you. You shot him. There's no other reason for that than zombification. Let's get out of here. Right. So the pair get into Tommy's car after Tommy pulls up at Joel's house and the three of them drive through the city. So this is actually very fun. Um, This actually little drive that they take is an actual route you can take through Austin, Texas. So there is a little drive that you can complete and you can take all the same turns that they take and go to the same locations, and I don't know. I think it's just really fun. Um, But the city is in a bad way. People are running around. There's things on fire. There's crashed cars. It's all very zombie apocalypse chic. Um, And uh, it turns out that the people are being infected by a mutated cordyceps fungus, which takes control of the brain specifically, and turns people into lifeless carriers stripped of humanity. Eventually, the fungus begins to sprout from the head and face of the infected. So this fungus goes straight to the brain, Colton, and then it just mm-hmm. takes over kind of like a, a maximum overdrive. It's just like, I'm, I'm in control now. The, the mushrooms are running the party now. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to note that this, this isn't like, this is a mutated strain of the, of the fungus, but this is a real thing that happens in real life. Not to humans, obviously, but it happens in the insect kingdom and the very small animal kingdom. Like, there's there's a possibility that in the future, this could fucking happen. So In the future? Yeah. In the future. We're a few months away from COVID uh, mutating and causing this stuff. Dude, if COVID mutates and starts with this shit, man... It's going to be a time. Like we're going to have to refer to our Left 4 Dead podcast for instructions. So, good God. I'm going to need some aux cords in the apocalypse. <laughs> you better not play trash. All right. So, as they drive through the city, which is in complete chaos, they are struck by another vehicle and forced to start to make their escape on foot. Tommy, uh, so Tommy hangs back to hold off infected while Joel and Sarah, uh, while fleeing, get stopped by a soldier who begins to ask for instructions from his superiors. Uh, Joel believes that the soldier is there to help him and his daughter. However, over the radio, they can hear that the soldier is instructed to kill them uh, because of a possible infection and kind of a containment scenario. They dive away from the gunshots. However, Sarah is hit by one of the bullets. Mm -hmm. Tommy kills the soldier, saving Joel, but it is too late for Sarah, who dies in her father's arms. And I have to say, this is the this is like minute five. You've yeah. got to get you got to get super used to this immediately. And Troy Baker, who is the voice of Joel, does an absolutely stellar job at conveying kind of like the desperation of a father who's losing his daughter, you know, and not only his daughter, his really only real family left because yeah, the wife like, the wife was never in the picture from from frame 1 it's like pure despair that you can hear in this man's voice extremely talented 
Wow. So yeah, that's that's pretty much the first beat, and then there's a pretty major time skip. So we, this is this thankfully comes in a little some little beats and breaks here, but uh, this is this is where we start off. So even to most games and most like narrative story experiences, I don't really think the rug gets pulled out under you this fast in most other in many other games. I feel no. like there's a nice slow burn. But man, this is like right out of the gate. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's rough immediately. They really don't give you the time to adjust to what's happening or they don't even really ease you into it. They just kind of went, oh, well, uh, here you go. Yeah, sometimes that's how it works. Sometimes that's Enjoy. all you need, you know, and what's crazy is that when you open with something like that, what the fuck is the rest of the game going to be like? Well, why don't we find out together? Let's do it. Because there's a 20-year time skip in between those two. So Joel is 20 years older and now is in like the middle age, you know, uh, prime of his life sort of style. Uh, you can even see if you look up, like there's actually like a, a distinct difference between Joel's character model um, you know, there's a lot more, you know, you know, gray hairs in his beard and in his hair and his face is weathered. It's really fun. But when we fast forward two decades, Joel lives in Boston, Massachusetts as a smuggler in a post pandemic world. So Joel is uh, kind of doing the very essential business of uh, getting the people who need things the said things no matter what they might be however this this kind of status as a smuggler tends to tends to follow him um so north america is highly dangerous outside of the quarantine zones and other settlements where the remainder of the population live joel and his partner tess this woman by the name of tess um it, it, she's described as his partner in like the slut smuggling business but there's also like not too not too subtly implied that they might be you know doing the horizontal mambo um yeah. you know that they're that they're like not only partners in business but in you know the terrifying ordeal of the apocalypse you know getting you know you gotta blow off some steam every now and again uh but they go searching for this guy named robert who is an arms dealer who owes them some weapons uh, he's only named in order to be a plot device, so don't worry if you don't remember Robert after this is over. When they find him, he confesses to selling their weapons to the Fireflies. Um, so Robert's an arms dealer who owed Tess and Joel some weapons, but he instead sells them to this uh, independent militia group that's kind of opposing the authority that is imposed after the virus hits. So this is kind of the main um, like you said earlier, and I really liked what you said earlier, Colton, that there's kind of a, a breakdown of society when something like this happens. There's yeah. not only the governments and the deep state that are going to try to control and quarantine and, you know, impose, you know, do crazy shit like kill a father and his daughter because they were fleeing the quarantine area or the infected area. And there's also the people that are like, oh, well, we have the means to kind of oppose this. Um, so they might, you know, they might get caught up in some struggle as well as having to deal with the prevalence of infected. So it's really to a regular guy like Joel, just a fucking smuggler with, you know, not really a whole lot of, uh, you know, uh, any sort of organization to his name. 
he's kind of fighting on all fronts. Yeah. Right. And uh, the Fireflies, that's just, you know, I feel like there's never been a more, um, I guess, less threatening name. You know, I feel like a Firefly, I think of Fireflies, I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> <it's> I, nice. don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I'm on the opposite uh, side of the court here because I feel like the less threatening the name, the more threatening the group. It works on like mob rules. Yeah. Like, if somebody's named like Sweetheart. They're like a fucking sadist. Yeah. Like, yeah. like a guy named Tiny is six foot nine and 800 pounds. Like, you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Um, and all groups need a leader. And the leader of the Fireflies' name is Marlene. And we find that out because Marlene appears after Tess kills Robert after finding out that they he doesn't have the guns that uh, that uh, they he owes them. So Marlene shows up and promises Joel and Tess double the amount of guns if they take on a job for her. So this kind of like his day's gone from bad to worse. He's not only going out and you kind of get to see. There are like bread lines. People are getting, you know, uh, food rationed to them. Uh, there are, you know, armored vehicles patrolling the streets um, from the government. You know, it's pretty bad time out here. So double the amount of weapons seems like a pretty attractive offer, especially to a smuggler and especially one who's kind of been short shrifted by this dude, Robert. So obviously uh, they don't agree right away, which you should never do in the apocalypse. So they kind of try to follow her and figure out what's going on. And that enters our second protagonist, which we'll talk about in a second. So, you know, I, I think that uh, at this point in the story, what is your what is your kind of opinion of Joel? Like, is he this is he this sympathetic character that has gone through loss? Is he this guy that's just trying to survive? Is he a hero? What are your what is your kind of pregame opinion before we really get into the meat and potatoes of this? I think that he, I don't know. I feel like I sympathize with him because he literally went through loss. He's somewhere else. He's doing this thing that you can really tell. He doesn't seem to truly care to do, but he's enduring and surviving and moving on. Hmm. So you're definitely in the, uh, in the in the Joel camp, I like that, and I think that this is the the best part about a certain protagonist. And I was just uh, I was just telling uh, I was just talking about this with a friend of mine. Is uh, I like a protagonist who sometimes doesn't do or say the right things. You know, it's kind of more believable that way. Like we're all gonna make mistakes. We're all gonna say dumb shit, especially in a situation this this cosmically stressful. So, you know. I think that uh, Joel can can sometimes be afforded a little bit of a slack. Colton? Yeah, I, I agree. It he, sa- he just seems like a dude who's trying to survive. That's literally it. And I like that. It's delightful simplicity. And it, it's something that's horribly lacking in today's video game environment. Everyone has to have this super complicated backstory. No, this guy's a guy who just lost his daughter and is trying to survive and, you know, not die, not become a mushroom. Right. That's it. And I'll tell you what isn't delightful simplicity. The job that Marlene has for Joel and Tess. Oh, not at all. Which is, which is uh, they want uh, the pair to take Ellie, a 14-year-old girl, to a nearby meeting point. Ellie is very small 
and has a mouth like a sailor for a 14 year old. Uh, and she's fair. voiced by none, by none other than the fantastic Ashley Johnson, um, who I am a huge fan of from Critical Role, as well as a, a, a great little uh, cartoon series um, about a magic train, which I suggest you all look up. Uh, and so, uh, however, on the way, Joel and Tess find out something a little bit distressing in this environment about Ellie. She has been bitten by an infected. They find the bite on her arm. So, you know, you know that scene in every zombie movie where somebody has been bitten, but they were hiding it the whole time. Yep. You know, what is the initial thought of somebody who is most definitely infected? You're going to try to kill them. Yeah. Which is what they try to do. However, Ellie attests that her bite is three weeks old, far beyond the point where people usually turn. So... Marlene wants Joel and Tess to take Ellie, um, you know, uh, to a, a certain meeting point in order for the Fireflies to help start maybe developing a cure because they believe that Ellie is immune to the virus. She's the only person that they can tell hasn't been affected by this. So at 14 years old, to, you know, kind of know this stuff, to be able to advocate for yourself in this position and to know how drastically important your life must be i mean it must be intense it must be very stressful yeah i like really really feel for ellie i mean way more than i can sympathize with joel i really think that you know just because of the age difference i feel like with age comes a certain degree of being able to take things but as well you know i think that joel and ellie's dynamic is only strengthened by that and not diminished yeah, so, I'd agree. once they get to that meeting point, they discover the fireflies that they were meant to meet have been killed. How about that? Yay! Um, so, uh, Tess, unfortunately, um, has a secret as well. And one that is not as immediately uh, relaxing as Ellie's. Tess has also been bitten and infected at some point. Um, so while the fireflies or the government or whoever is trying to, uh, uh, whoever's trying to capture them at this point, uh, soldiers. Yes. So there's some, a group of soldiers rolls up and they start to try to find Ellie and Tess decides that she will stay behind and kind of, uh, stave them off, uh, while Joel and Ellie move on and are kind of forced to escape. And she holds off the pursuing soldiers and you just like, it takes a, a moment out of the game, but it's so affecting just hearing the gunshots that you know have just, you know, caused Joel another loss. Um, yeah. You know, it's pretty, it's pre the, the storytelling in this game is really, really good. Uh, but with that, we kind of enter into the real, the real crux of the game, the real kind of narrative hook, as well as the gameplay hook, which is you and Ellie as Joel kind of going cross country with one another. So at this beat of the story, what are our thoughts? You know, I, I don't have too many different ones at this point because it's just, I, I think it's really cool that now we have an actual mission to see that Ellie gets to the fireflies to create a vaccine. You know what I mean? It gives it purpose. Yeah. Know, like it, it gives like a way out. Like it's not just a game about, surviving until you die of natural causes 
now there's a way to save the world. But it's still, again, not just it's not like a Chris Redfield or a Leon Kennedy or or a Resident Evil character for anything. It's an actual person now having to make the choice of do I believe this person, by the way, do I care enough about humanity to do this? Mm. You know, or do I just do what I'm best at and survive and just say, fuck it to the rest of everyone. I hadn't really thought of it like that, actually. Hey, I, I mean, I, I don't even know what I, what I would do in that situation, you know, because I'd like to, to take the high road and go, oh, yes, of course, I'm going to save humanity. But I don't know if I would trust that. You know, that's one of those things in a situation where you cannot afford to fuck up. And that seems like something that's way too good to be true. I think that Joel is a great example of like the reluctant hero. He's yeah. And he's not really interested. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's willing to get paid. He's, he, he, he views this as a job until he really doesn't later on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's true. I think, you know, I would, I would certainly have my misgivings. Of course, you would have to. De- that's definitely a sleep on it kind of uh, kind of thing. So our journey begins, and uh, Joel reluctantly continues the journey with Ellie. And their first port of call is to find an old acquaintance and my favorite character in this game, Bill. And Bill is quite a presence. Uh, however, Bill owes Joel a favor. What this favor was, we don't know. However, um that's kind of their first stop because they need uh, supplies. They need a car. They need, you know, the things that you're going to need in order to survive. Um, However, as they start to kind of get towards Bill's estate, if you will, his house or wherever he's making residence, uh, there are traps all around, which become uh, a new kind of thing that you have to watch out for. Um, There's like trip wires with bombs that you can lead zombies into, or if you don't see them yourself, you can take a crap ton of damage or die because Bill is kind of this doomsday prepper, paranoid survivalist kind of dude. Um, But uh, he's also really well known in the car region, so he's going to help them get a car. Um, Once they find Bill, um, Bill is not exactly... um, Kind, I would say, not exactly, not exactly a warm welcome, uh, because the first thing he does is he he gets them into a safe place, but then he immediately handcuffs Ellie to a pipe. So you know, yeah. <laughs> details, details. Yeah, but Joel also made it well known that Bill is not good with new people. So, uh, and uh, Ellie is not too good with Bill, as the two of them get into several kind of verbal clashes. Um, and uh, the thing is that Joel has uh, Bill has a car, but uh, a former partner of his in kind of a disagreement uh, took a very important part out of the car. I think it might be the spark plug or something else. Very important. Um, so you kind of have they have to go the three of them find where this former partner of his was. Uh, this game is also told through a lot of letters. There's a lot of letters roaming around where you can pick up kind of collectible style. And you find a letter from Bill and his former partner, and there's some kind of disagreement going on there. Um, and they eventually find it. They get the part. And Bill finds out that his former partner was infected 
and uh, decided to hang himself instead of turning. So Bill, who is kind of very clearly not, you know, not really a warm and fuzzy guy, seems pretty like beat up by this kind of taken aback and kind of saddened by it. So it's a little bit of a character flip and we'll find out why in a little bit. But there's a great little level where you have to uh, Joel and Bill are pushing the truck from behind in order to hopefully get it downhill so that uh, Colton can help me out with some of the car lingo here. But, um, you know, while the car is in neutral rolling down the hill, they try to start the engine and the alternator charges the battery. Uh, Okay, so it, it turns on, right? Yeah, the that's the major so point. <laughs> essentially, yeah, the alternator charges the battery enough that the that it can be turned on. So yeah. by rolling the car down the hill, it turns the alternator, which turns the battery, and then the battery can supply the rest of the power. So that it's actually a lot of fun because you have to like push, and then zombies will come, and then you'll have to stop. Um, and it's uh, it, it's a lot of fun. So you're fighting as Joel and Bill because Ellie is in the car. Ellie normally helps you out, but uh, eventually the duo escape Bill's territory in the pickup truck. Um, Ellie, while she was in Bill's uh, kind of uh, little, he actually has a uh, a bar that he he stays in by himself, which I love. Um, and. Uh, Ellie was touching all of his things and he's like, don't touch my shit. And he's like, fuck you. Uh, So it (laughs) turns out that she actually stole something from Bill, which reveals a little bit about his character um, and kind of gives some credence to uh, the partnership that he had with this dude, uh, which kind of might be more like a Joel and Tess partnership because Ellie steals some uh, pornographic materials of the male variety from Bill. So I just think that that's kind of very subtle inclusion, you know, uh, even if it's it, even if it's the absolute least that you can do, like, you know, people are still gay in the apocalypse. Who would have thought? Yeah. All right. So they get this car from Bill. That's the most important part. Uh, Joel and Ellie are headed west for some time, aiming to find Joel's brother, Tommy. Uh, and the reason that they want to find Tommy is because Tommy is a former Firefly himself. So Tommy was in with the Fireflies, but apparently left for whatever reason. Uh, and they make it all the way to the steel city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where they're ambushed by a group of bandits. So just some regular old people that are just trying to, you know, scrap and, you know, get by and scavenge. I'm so glad you know, st- that even during an apocalypse, Pittsburgh is still Pittsburgh. <laughs> you know, still Pittsburgh. <laughs> The wild thing is, is one of them starts to approach the car like he's injured and Ellie is like, yo, we should help this guy. And Joe's like, no, no, fuck that. That's that's a trap. And it's like, I'm not into that. And, uh, you know, eventually it turns out to be a trap and their vehicle is totaled. So they need to go on foot and they need to escape the city, which is under heavy patrol from the soldiers and the government, but also full of zombos. Oh, yes. Now they had this car that they worked so hard to find and get and had treated them so well for so long, but it is no longer. So that's also, you know, an issue. Uh, they, They get separated in a ruined hotel and the pair reunite when Joel actually saves, uh, Ellie actually saves Joel's life. Uh, at this point, um, 
after kind of Ellie proves her metal, I think, um, Joel had been kind of a little iffy on giving Ellie a gun uh, so far. But at this point, he's like, here you go, kid. You know, like, here's a rifle. You can shoot now as long as you use it right. Uh, and clears out some more bandits on the path to Fort Pitt Bridge. So this is a this is a pretty pivotal moment for Ellie. Uh, I'm not I'm you know I'm unclear as to whether or not she had used guns prior, but you know holding a you know handing a 14 year old a hunting rifle is a scenario that you should really only do if you're being chased by mushroom men. I mean that's just typical Pittsburgh etiquette. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my. <laughs> Along with the zombies. But it's, I, I mean, yeah, that is definitely something that you should only do in an emergency situation. I remember being 14, and if I if you handed 14-year-old me an assault rifle during a zombie apocalypse, apocalypse, apocalypse yeah, I would, um, let's, uh, yeah, there'd be a lot of clickers around because I would make a lot of noise. <laughs> so, um, oh, oh, boy, would you? Yeah. Should we, uh, go into the different types of infected oh, rain? Would you like to take, like to take, the, take the reins on that, but on Tiss? I crave the sweet grace. I gave my myself my own rim shot. Yeah, this listen, is, I, I'm like too far away from the board and I'm like no, just don't even want to reach for it. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so why don't you go into, into some of the threats that uh, Joel and Ellie are facing throughout this and in the future? Uh, very clearly the biggest threat is humankind because um, yeah. you will fight a lot of people uh, but other than that you have I believe the normal quote unquote infected are called runners yeah. and they are fast motherfuckers who can see you and that's annoying mm-hmm. then you have clickers who <laughs> can't see you but they can hear you so you gotta be stealthy and throw bricks. Yeah, uh, it's so yeah, you creepy. Throw, and they throw the objects and it lures them away, right? Yeah. Because they, they hear, but they can't see. Oh, and they man. make a beautiful, beautiful noise. Oh, those glowing, grudge-looking motherfuckers. I, I, um, I said this to Colton earlier. I think that clickers are aesthetically pleasing. I think they're very cool to look at. But if one came at me... I would probably just eat myself off of a building. Yeah. <laughs> I would just eat myself off of a building if I knew those things existed. Like, oh my God. No need to deal with this. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, I'm not, I'm not coexisting in a world with these things. Exactly. And uh, I think the, the last ones are bloaters, which are these very big uh, guys who can shoot poor like bombs um, to cause you to get infected and they are from what i recall them being described as is they are people who were infected for a very long time yeah yeah i mean the the clickers are like it's basically all they're all different progressions of infected from what i gather you know the runners are just freshly infected people uh the clickers have been infected for a few years uh, the bloaters have been infected for much longer than that. Yeah. So it's 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 there is a lot of uh, kind of progression to this virus. There's a lot of uh, kind of different routes it can take. And obviously the runners, having retained their sight and their general senses, 
um, are like the least infected, then the clickers, and then the bloaters, obviously. And if you look at a bloater, you're like, yeah, this person's been a mushroom for far too long. <laughs> um, but uh, you know who isn't a mushroom? Are uh, a pair that uh, Joel and Ellie run into that are also trying to leave Pittsburgh. Um, Henry and Sam. So Henry and Sam are uh, these two brothers. Uh, they're trying to leave Pittsburgh, as I said. Joel and Ellie uh, get taken to their hideout. So they're kind of given a, a respite, a place to stay, a place to sleep. And, you know, that's not uh, obviously if it's your hideout, if it's a place that you're going to be for a long period of time, it's obviously safe. So um, they try to come up with a plan to escape via a security checkpoint um, during the night. So they're, they're like, all right, got to get out of here. Uh, they make uh, their way to an old radio station uh, for reasons undisclosed, and they get separated. So because they're discovered, they kind of both go off in uh, different directions. Uh, Joel and Ellie actually jump into the river and wash up on a beach. So the, the crazy part about this section is that uh, Ellie can't swim. So Joel is kind of doing the work for both of them, kind of dragging Ellie's body with him because she hit the water, passed out, you know, did something, got her lungs full of water. Um, so Joel is really kind of, uh, you know, if if he didn't care about Ellie anymore, he probably wouldn't have done that is all I'm going to say. So even if it's just still to get paid, Joel is exercising some kind of uh, some duty of care when it comes to Ellie. Uh, where Henry and Sam meet up with them again, you know, just a little bit of serendipity. They find them on the beach and uh, they make it to the radio tower where they're able to relax and chill out. Uh, Joel shares stories from before the pandemic and Ellie checks on Sam, who is the younger of the two brothers, by the way, who is taking stock of their supplies. And... Uh, it's actually a cute little scene. Um, Henry uh, tries to dissuade Sam, his younger brother, from taking this toy robot that he really likes because they really should only take the essentials. Ellie checks in on him and says, yeah, you know, whatever. Like, it's a big bag. You know, you should take it. Uh, kind of to give him that one little uh, that one little comfort. Uh, the, the two actually talk about what scares them and then they go to sleep. So Henry and Sam are kind of almost a parallel for Ellie and Joel in a way, even though the, the, the relationships are a little different. One is kind of a protector and a, uh, you know, a caregiver to a younger um, uh, force, uh, even if it's kind of even though everybody kind of attributes a father daughter relationship to Joel and Ellie. But I, I think that's kind of. Reductionary. I think that kind of takes away from their overall vibe. But Henry and Sam are just two people in the same situation that they're in. So it's kind of like finding literally a port in a storm, finding Henry and Sam. Right. So unfortunately, all those good feelings that you have rolling around in your stomach right now, just ball them up into a pole and just throw them away because. Oh, good. This is my favorite. In the morning, Ellie goes, uh, Ellie goes to check in on Sam, who as it transpires, has been bitten by an infected, but has not told anyone. Therefore, he has turned overnight. The infected oh. Sam then attacks Ellie before Joel can get his gun. Henry instead shoots his younger brother, Sam, 
in order to save Ellie's life. I remember watching this scene. It's just, it's so sad, man. Like, mm -hmm. oh my God. Like, poor Henry, you know? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> and it's, uh, it, it's too much for him to bear because overcome with the guilt and grief of killing his younger brother, Henry turns the gun on himself and kills himself. So, yeah, it's really just kind of, it, it's, 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 as you said, it's, it's tragic. It's sad. It's uh, really, really terrible. Um, and it only serves to kind of further the plot, but it's a very, you know, it's kind of a moment where you have to digest it. You know, yeah. uh, Henry kind of takes a moment where he starts pointing his, his gun at Joel and he says, oh, this is your fault. This is your fault. This is all your fault. You know, it's just kind of that moment of like, I just killed somebody I love. You know, you just start acting irrationally. So irrationally, you know, you're so guilty and you realize that, you know, your little brother had been infected but didn't tell anybody and probably could have died in a easier fashion, a less painful fashion, a less, a more dignified fashion. But, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's all too much. I mean, so the brain literally like we, just we freaks out. To Henry, Henry and Sam to talk about them for a few moments, I of think. Of course. I mean, they, just, holy shit, dude. And I mean, we were talking about it on the Left for Dead podcast, like, oh my god, a, a zombie apocalypse. Like, when we think of an actual zombie apocalypse, you know, this kind of fucking puts a real, a real light on it because, you know, we're all humans. Like, everybody could be a zombie, you know, even people you know, which is the worst part. And it, it's horrible to think about because, you know, you got to do it. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's no other yeah. options, either that or become one. Hey, it's just, it's the saddest reality of this genre. It's just, it's the realest depiction of what would actually fucking happen in this kind of a crisis. Yeah, you, you, you might have to, you might have to, you know, kill zombified me. That um, would be, that I, would be tragic. Nah, dude, I would do the, uh, I would do the thing from Shaun of the Dead. And uh, <laughs> just just put you out back on a leash for a while, and we play Smash. Thanks, man. <laughs> I picture you trying to teach a zombified Zach how to play video games. Yeah, man. Just got a no life Terry, no life Terry in the backyard. Hey, man, don't bring Terry into this. Uh, <laughs> anyway, talking about uh, talking about fall. Uh, so it's, it's now fall, the season, uh, this game actually kind of occurs in, uh, a, a season, uh, you know, seasons of the, of the year and several months pass between, uh, the incident with Henry and Sam and now, and Joel and Ellie are now in Jackson County, Wyoming. Shout out. Uh, they are near Tommy's settlement in Jackson city. So they're close to finding Tommy, former firefly and Joel's brother. But they need to make their way through an abandoned hydroelectric plant. Oh my of god! Of course they um, do. Why wouldn't mm. they? Why wouldn't they? Yikes! Uh, turns out, as they approach the main gate, uh, it's not abandoned at all. Uh, and Tommy and the other fireflies are there, attempting. Uh, no, Tommy and his, you know, kind of resistance, just regular folks are there, attempting to get the plant back online and generating power once again. Um, so Joel at this point kind of tries to 
Um, Joel is the older brother in this scenario. Tommy is the younger of the two. Uh, and he kind of tries to uh, pawn some of his work off on Tommy here because he kind of takes him to his side and asks if he can entrust him with Ellie uh, because he has more people, she'll be safer, and he also knows the whereabouts of the Fireflies who can then, uh, you know, take her uh, and make the cure out of her. Um, but after some people raid the plant, Tommy agrees to take care of Ellie. However, Ellie hears this whole conversation go on. So she is very upset by all this. And Ellie runs away, which obviously emotionally I want to understand. But from a survival standpoint, a pretty smooth brain move. Not going to lie. <laughs> she just takes off. Um, and that's, that'll be, you know, that'll become, you, you kind of get her reasons as to why in a bit, but yeah, I mean, I feel like Joel kind of tried to, I don't know, escape responsibility here. I feel like he might've tried to be like, yeah. I am done with this shit. Um, yeah, I think that there's some kind of like, there's, there's some logic to it, but I think that there's a little bit more emotion driving his decision. Uh, than he would care to admit. And I think that's the same thing with Ellie that she, you know, hears that Joel, this caretaker, this person that she's been, you know, by by her side all these months is now trying to be like, can you like take this bitch off my hands? Like, could you help me out here? And so as a result, she runs away. Right. I don't know. The jury's out for me. I, mean, I think that. I don't know. You're right. It's it's weird because it's again one of those super reluctant hero moment like moments. Yeah. You know, it's just that pure that that primal DNA like rooted banging on the back of your head like don't do this. You're going to die. You know, it's mm -hmm. just one of those involuntary choices that your brain makes in pure survival mode. Right. I feel like you also need, though, to remember that she's 14. Yeah. Like, yeah. and when I was 14, I probably would have done the same thing and I would have run away. It doesn't matter the state of what's going on. The matter is escaping the situation. Yeah. So, like, I understood Ellie because I was like, ah, oh, damn, listen, if the person that has been taking care of me and it's like the only person I have left is trying to be like hey uh I don't want to do this anymore someone take this I'd be upset too and I wouldn't want to be there because I don't want random person A to take care of me yeah yeah and it's actually very cute uh during this uh little scene uh after catching up with her Joel and Ellie argue about her going with Tommy instead that's the next section that we'll talk about um, is they actually um, it turns out that Tommy had told Ellie about Sarah at some point uh, Joel's daughter who had died at the beginning of the game and he Ellie tries to make it known um, that uh, she is trying she tries to sympathize with Joel and to with kind of uh, understand this kind of need to catch up with her and to take care of her uh even if he's making kind of a decision to the contrary 
and he says, oh, like you're, you're shredding on some mighty thin ice, kind of like, don't go there. Like, I'm not interested in that. Uh, and Ellie lays the smack down on this man. He goes like, look, I am sorry that you've experienced loss, but I've also experienced loss as well. Everybody I've ever known has either left me or died. So don't tell me that I would be safer with somebody else because I would just be more scared. And I think that is a fucking great line. I think yeah. that that's something I really want to chew on for a second. Because I, there's something to the effect of, of familiarity in this situation. Even if it's somebody that you don't really know. If it's somebody who, who's taken care of you, who maybe saved your life a few times, who's been shooting mushroom men with you, and, you know, you know, going through all this crazy stuff. Yeah, I feel like getting placed in another situation is would be, you know... Even even more stressful, I think. Kind of after a while, you kind of tend to rely on that kind of person. Of course, it's. I mean, familiarity is familiarity, and you know, especially in a situation where, like you said before, we're just shooting mushroom people, and you're also fourteen years old, and quite literally everything changes by the fucking second. Something familiar to grip onto is so important for the human mind you know and even they can't really get all of the all the feelings out in this sent in this kind of uh conversation because they're cut short by more bandits approaching obviously it's just the game making you do some combat stuff so after that's finished they take a horse ride back um to Tommy's settlement where Joel tells Ellie that he's decided that he'll take her to the Fireflies himself. So uh, Tommy, who was kind of all aboard with having Ellie as part of his merry band and kind of helping to uh, satiate his older brother's wishes, as he's like to do, Joel's wishes change like the wind. And so he's like, never mind, I'm taking my weird proto daughter with me. And he's like, okay, (laughs) all right, I guess so. Um, and Tommy gives them some very important information, which is where to find the fireflies, which they can be found at the science lab at the University of Eastern Colorado. So they're going from Wyoming to Colorado, and Tommy gives them a horse in order to, uh, to get there. So this is kind of, uh, a meetup between... Uh, characters who we kind of started the game with. We kind of get to see where Tommy's been, what he's been up to. He's already was a firefly, is not a firefly anymore, but still knows where they're at. You know, so, uh, you know, if you compare Joel and Tommy, Tommy's moving up in this in this post-apocalyptic world. Oh, yeah. Everything's, everything's coming up Tommy, uh, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, Joel's just smuggling you know, I think that uh, I think that Tommy is is a very interesting character and is one that is uh, pretty important to not only this game but the next. So, yeah. So they find him, they get the horse, and they're off. Uh, Ellie and Joel find the university and explore the campus until they find the science building. It turns out that the Fireflies had abandoned this site and that there's no sign of them. Uh, Joel finds what uh, is found in the game, something called a dictaphone, which is kind of like a recording device with the final words of a deceased firefly who says that the group has moved back to St. Mary's Hospital in Salt Lake City, Utah. So now they have to find go to Utah. Uh, However, uh, as as is custom for games like this, they're spotted by enemies. And before they can leave, Joel and Ellie kind of have to fight their way 
out of the university. So it's kind of like L after L. Like there's like these brief kind of moments of pause and kind of like uh, the narrative is stretching out and takes its moment to kind of stretch its legs and it's like, oh, time to die possibly. So yeah, I think that's kind of a hallmark of this game at all. And do you guys think that that's, do you prefer something like that? Do you, does yes. that make the combat feel forced? What do you think? I I like the idea of thinking, never thinking you're safe in a game like that. Because mm. it it's a zombie game. You're never safe. You know, I, when you see, when you, I think we were past this part, but when we get to the clickers and, you know, Joel has to break open a door and immediately gets jumped by one of them, you oh, know, yeah. That could fucking happen at any time. And, you know, when they're opening the uh, when they're opening that one gate with the chain and all of a sudden the chain sound alerts all the runners to their location. Oh, yeah, boy. You could uh, as somebody who's extremely loud on a daily basis. This shut your mouth of the apocalypse, buddy. Yeah, I know. So it's like it's a quiet place up in this bitch. And, you know, I'm not ready for that. So. That is a danger at all times, especially when you're just when you're trying to run around and you're trying to give out commands while you're running around. That's a thing that can happen at all times where you could just get jumped all the time. So I love that. You like the feeling of not feeling safe. Yes. In a video game. Let me specify (laughs) in a video game. I'm very happy with my safety in real life. But uh, I am. I really like that it gives you the opportunity to like stretch and like walk around. And I'm a very big person with exploring every surrounding that I'm in in a video game and also kind of in real life. So for me, I'm like, oh, this gives me the chance to go into every single room and loot everything so I can make 27 bombs. You know, (laughs) for me, it's. Ah, yes, you're giving me the option. And then I get to see all of the supplies and go, oh, my God, there's going to be a huge battle and I'm not mentally prepared. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely scary. You like those moments where you can kind of take a beat and figure out the story. And there's a lot of collectibles in this game, right? Yes. Are you you a big collectibles person trying to find all the the am I? (laughs) Trying to find all the little Easter eggs and all the little things and how the game tries to hide it from you for the most part. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, um, there's a bedroom that you go into at one point that has a bunch of the like naughty dog, like game, like Easter eggs are all in that room. And it's really cool. I was really excited about that. So they're, they're fighting to escape the university and in the struggle, Joel falls over a railing and lands on a metal pipe impaling him. Ellie defends Joel and helps him up. However, they just barely escape on uh, the back of a horse on the back of their horse. Joel in severe pain and losing blood collapses as they ride away. So two things real quick. And then we're actually going to transfer over um, because of the first part of that sentence about Joel falling on the pipe. This scene actually reminds me a lot of uh, Princess uh, Mononoke, the movie, uh, the Studio Ghibli movie, where the main character gets shot uh, and he's bleeding out on the back of his elk and he kind of collapses off the back of the elk. And that's kind of exactly what Joel does is he's in 
a lot of pain, losing blood, and he just, you know, it's hard to sit up right on a horse when, you know, there's pints of blood escaping you. So Joel is, uh, Joel goes out pretty much. And this is actually where I think the game did something very fun and very interesting because it immediately uh, fast forwards in time to winter, right? So after Joel collapses, we go straight from fall to winter. But what happened was, what had happened was, this game did so freaking well and impressed so many people that, like most video game series will do nowadays, they came out with a DLC, some downloadable content mm -hmm. uh, that actually bridges this narrative gap, kind of like very much the Rogue One uh, from Star Wars of this. It kind of bridges this time skip that we don't get to see. And I think that's really cool. So I'm going to talk about Left Behind real fast because it shows us the events and kind of gives us some more Ellie backstory. But in games where there are time skips, hint, hint, Fire Emblem Three Houses, uh, <laughs> would you guys like to see more stuff of that? Like kind of like the uh, almost like a a string along of, uh, you know, even in a DLC situation, as opposed to a sequel game where we would get that kind of context. Absolutely. I would oh, love yeah, to see that. What do you guys think happened while Byleth was asleep for five years? <laughs> um, let's see. Shit got real. Yeah, shit got yeah. real. Felix was training with his sword as always while watching while everything was unfolding. Felix was in the training grounds. Um, Not even remotely close. He was back in Fraldarius with Rodrigue causing shit. We all know it. <laughs> 100%. Edelgard was like pacing the floor looking for Byleth and then slowly going insane like Azula in the end of Avatar. Like, yeah, man. Dimitri was murdering people en masse. <laughs> he really fucking was. Green, what'd you get there? I said Dimitri died and came back to life. <laughs> you know, went a little feral. A lovely raccoon man. Holy shit. Yeah, Claude just spent five years getting hotter. Um, so anyway, so this is uh it not only goes through the main uh some sections before the main game, but it also kind of intersperses with flashbacks during this time. Um so uh during the uh badly hurt Joel during the winter chapter, Joel Ellie starts exploring a shopping mall looking for supplies such as sutures and bandages. Uh but it also kind of shows us the real um circumstances behind the driving force of the story, which is how Ellie came to get bitten by the infected. To figure out she's immune in the first place. So I think this is just so much fun, man. I never played it, but like I did a I did a deep dive and I think this is great. Um, so uh, uh, Ellie makes her way through various stores in the mall, taking down infected and discovers a military helicopter where inside she finds a stocked first aid kit with all of the things that she's going to need. However, um, this is also an important and interesting little part about like living in an apocalypse that I think this did very well is now that she has it, she has to fight her way back to Joel. You know, it's not just like I got the item quest over, you know, you have to go back, which I think is is pretty cool. Um, but uh, we get some some flashbacks to even younger Ellie when she was even even more of a baby. 
Uh, Ellie is asleep in a quarantine zone where she lives and her best friend Riley scares her awake. Ellie assumed that Riley was dead, but it turns out that Riley had been inducted into the Fireflies. Uh, Riley wants to make amends for how things, uh, the two left things the last time they met. And uh, Riley takes Ellie out of a quarantine zone, out of their quarantine zone to explore an abandoned mall. So it's pretty interesting here. In, in the Riley-Ellie story, the mall is a little bit more done up and is a little bit more in good condition. Whereas it's like full... 28 days later with the mall that Joel and Ellie find themselves in. But I think it's cool how they're kind of showing the difference between uh, how time affects things and different in the same location. Um, and yeah, we get to learn a little bit about Ellie before this all went down. So uh, as they go through the shopping center, the pair find uh, a trip switch and restore power to the building. So Probably not the smartest thing to do, uh, but, you know, it's kind of all very nice and cute and sweet. And they, uh, you know, turn on like the merry-go-round and it's all very idyllic. Uh, the pair talk and laugh as they fun have fun exploring the new lit up mall, throwing bricks at cars, pretending to play the, a broken arcade game and having a water gun fight. So this is like two children. Ellie's yeah. like... 10 or 11 years old during this and these are just two girls having a good time being friends in a pretty shitty situation and there are parts of it that they have to kind of sacrifice like they have to pretend to play Galaga instead of actually playing it you know like how do you uh, pretend you know, they, to play like how do you pretend to pretend to do something you know I, what I mean? listen, like, I've got some I've got some Terry combos just wrote into the brain <laughs> by now like he's so, doing the Oh, if you handed me a switch post-apocalypse, I could still probably pull off a power geyser. Oh my uh, god. Well, yeah, That's it's like so kind funny. of like using your imagination, which is important. Oh, of course, but like just you know, video games by definition are pretend and like I just that is that's upsetting. Just pretending to pretend to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Holy um, shit. Rain, I don't wanna I don't wanna uh I don't wanna, you know ask you what do you think about ellie and riley what do you think about this kind of like dynamic that they have between them that riley is this uh like they thought she was dead but it turns out she's a firefly and then the two of them kind of get to reconnect i don't really know what to say exactly about that because i mean i get it they're kids you know, she was inducted into the Fireflies and she feels bad about what happened and, you know, oh, we're going to go and we're going to go play and do all of this. I get it. They're best friends. I understand that. But also, y'all went to an abandoned mall and turned it on. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think I can get past that part. Yeah. And uh, you might just get your might just get your vindication after I read this next section. Um, so as they go through the, uh, so, so Riley reveals that she has been assigned to a firefly group group in a different part of the country and asks Ellie what she should do. Ellie tells her to go and do the thing. Uh, however, Ellie's, uh, Riley plugs Ellie's Walkman into the store's sound system and begins to play music as they dance together. It's so, so sweet. Really, really kind of dropping the ball. Uh, Ellie then takes this moment, changes her mind, and asks Riley to stay. 
Riley uh, agrees, rips off her Firefly dog tag, and the two of them share a kiss. So this is uh, a major portion of Ellie's character moving forward and becomes a major point of reference in The Last of Us 2. But Ellie enjoys herself some ladies, and it kind of all started off with her best friend, Riley. However, before the pair can leave in peace, surprise, surprise, the infected are attracted to the music and begin to swarm the abandoned mall. <laughs> you know, I just... I can't... Yeah. Come on, just let them have them. Like, you imagine the zombies are just like, no, just let them, let them have it. Hold on, hold on, just hold back, guys. (laughs) Give them a moment. Give them a moment. Okay, now. Okay, now. The zombies are outside. Literally, Jeff, Jeff, no, no, wait. Let them kiss. We talked about this. All right, they had their romantic moment. Go, 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 go. It's just like one of them's like, oh, okay, we're all set. Just like, <laughs> a, a bloater, and he like he's like got his, his hands tucked under his chin. Ooh. A, a clicker like punches him in the in the shoulder. It's like we're here to do a job. <laughs> uh, so the pair run away, obviously, and in their attempt to escape, both Ellie and Riley are bitten. Uh, knowing that their face are, are, are sealed, they sit down together and decide what to do. So, rather than commit suicide, Riley suggests that they ride out the infection and be, as Riley says, be all poetic and shit and lose our minds together. However, little does Riley know that Ellie is immune and Riley eventually turns and Ellie does not. That so, is so fucked! Yeah, so obviously the title of this DLC has a dual meaning because in the events between fall and winter of the main game, Ellie is left behind because Joel's fucked up and she has to survive on her own while also tending to Joel, kind of reversing their relationship uh, in like a, a caregiving sense. So she's kind of been left behind to deal with her own, but Riley was also kind of left behind by circumstances because of Ellie's immunity. Yeah. So it's really sad. I mean, really, it's like, really sad. It's like that all tried and true thing. Like when you, when you wish for immortality, you know, you don't consider the consequence of that where, you know, everyone else isn't immortal. So it's just, that's so fucked up. Cause like, you don't even know, you know, what do you do in that situation? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, obviously Ellie is is able to get back to to Joel and able to fix him up because as we go back into the main game, we're in wintertime. Uh, Ellie has uh, has been looking after a badly injured Joel uh, and she hunts for food in the snowy woods with bows and arrows. Uh, After hunting a rabbit, Ellie tracks a deer and tracks it down. The deer runs through the trees towards a settlement. Ellie reaches the animal but hears that she is not alone. Uh, a character by the name of David appears with his friend James. They want the deer for their people, but Ellie isn't budging. David offers to trade, and Ellie very obviously asks for medicine. So, in order to help Joel, so while James go back at, goes back to get some medicine, Ellie and David shelter from the cold inside a cabin. Uh, a group of infected emerge and kind of force the unlikely duo to work together to survive. Um, so this guy, David is, you know, one of the other non-infected survivors, just a dude trying to care for his own settlement. 
uh, and Ellie's trying to care for Joel by going full, you know, Rambo in the woods and hunting deer. Uh, so the uh, the crazy part about this um, is this next section is that after they deal with the infected, David tells Ellie that a group of his men were killed by, quote, a crazy man traveling with a little girl. Mm, mm-mm. So, mm-mm. yeah. Mm. Things, oh are, things, things are getting a little spicy here. Yeah, a little um, bit. David is very clearly antagonistic towards Ellie. However, he does let Ellie go with the medicine as promised, which is pretty cool given the circumstances. Uh, she runs away and leaves with her horse. Ellie goes back to Joel and gives him the penicillin that was provided by David and James. However, later on, Ellie overhears some men outside as Ellie has been tracked and they are looking for her. Uh, Ellie decides to throw them off the trail by riding back out, but she's spotted and her horse is killed. Good God. Oh, no. That was a really sad moment. The horse, man. You don't kill the horse. That's just that's just knowledge by now. But, you know, that's the apocalypse, baby. You know, (laughs) it's classless, classless. So Ellie fights back to Joel. However, unfortunately, she gets captured by David. So Ellie wakes up in a cell, you know, like you do when you get captured. And she watches David butchering some distinctly human corpses. So David, yeah, 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 yeah. Very much the white glove society from Fallout New Vegas up in here. Uh, People will turn to cannibalism in the apocalypse. I mean, is it like, is it wrong though in that situation? I mean, Uh, I don't know. You know, when it's your only option. Oh, and it's literally your only option. Sure, but uh, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. It gets into this a little bit. Um, so David brings Ellie some food. Oh, However, he assures her that it's quote, just deer meat. Would you f-ing eat this? No, absolutely not. No way. Oh, here you go. I've been cutting up a man's, uh, you know, thighs for the last 80, 80 seconds, but here you go. Here's some venison. Absolutely not. I'm like, no, that is somebody who used to have a name. No, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. I mean, in that situation, I don't even know if Ellie was starving at that point. But even in that situation, I'd be like, "Yeah, you can keep that, Dave. Thanks." Yeah, I'll be. I will quite literally eat a pine cone before I eat this. Uh, David confesses to cannibalism. Surprise, surprise. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. David confesses to cannibalism, but tells Ellie he can help her live if she can gain the trust of her of his people. Basically, saying, "Hey, if you tell them you're immune and shit." everything's cool you know if you we can help you out we don't you don't need that guy basically asking her to leave joel for dead this this scene zach that you're about to talk about please is my actual favorite part in the whole game want to talk about it first and then tell us why or do you want to tell us why and then we talk about it um you can talk about it i just need it to be known this is like my favorite scene here we go rain rain sponsored scene coming up um, Ellie breaks his finger and D- David threatens to kill her. <laughs> Good. So, yeah. Ellie just fucking reaches through the bars and just snaps it like a goddamn piece of celery. 
Oh, ow, actually. Ugh, that hurts. Yeah. That, yeah, that hurts probably. to think about. Because, like, I don't know, man. Is that, I don't know if you guys get that, but that's one of the, like, little injuries like that. Those are always, like, the, the weirdest to hear. And just, like, yeah, they hurt to hear. And I mean, I actually can drop a little history on you. The uh, the big, uh, you know, it, it really helps to to break your the fingers of your opponents. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty common thing, uh, either breaking them or you know cutting them off. Uh, the actual does anybody here happen to know why we use the the middle finger? Yes, gesture? that I know because they used to cut off the middle fingers of archers, and it's yes. a sign of like fuck you, you can't get my finger. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm going to kill you from afar. So, yeah, I feel like it, Rain, tell us why you like to see Ellie break this man's finger. <laughs> okay, it's actually this part and then a little bit forward is why I love this scene so much. A, because she was like, he kept being like, well, you need to tell me your name so I can like, you know, get you on the good side of these people. And she was like, oh, yeah, of course, the good side. Right. Snaps his finger, tries to steal the keys and then goes. Ellie, tell them that the little girl who broke your finger is named Ellie. And I was like, yes, bitch, fucking get it. God tell them damn. Love but that. then just a little bit after that, he takes her out of the cell because they have decided they're going to cut her up and, you know, eat her. And she right. bites him and goes, you told me that everything happens for a reason. Well, I'm infected. Fuck you. Oh, and literally the best, because when they were fighting off the infected, he says everything happens for a reason and then says, you know, I know you were with the crazy guy killing my men. And she was just like, bitch, let me reverse the Uno reverse card right here, right now. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So it's it's coming up right here. So meanwhile, in the meantime, uh, Joel wakes up and notices Ellie is missing still really fucked up he gets up and begins searching for her running into david's men in the process he captures a couple of them and begins to interrogate them regarding ellie um so after they don't really start answering his questions too well he goes back to an old tried and true smuggler method of torturing them yep man i have I think I have a similar jazz about this scene that Rain has to the one that they just spoke about and the one coming up because dude Troy Baker pulls absolutely zero punches with this scene he really his voice uh, performance in this is crazy because Joel just drives a knife into the knee of this dude and while he's screaming in pain, he's just kind of like slapping him in the face. He's like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't lose focus. Look at me. Look at me. You oh know, like kind of trying to keep. Yeah, like really, really, really forceful. And he says, because if you don't tell me what I want to know, I'm going to pop your fucking knee off. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> you oh, know, just like Jesus. Yeah, this is the moment, you know, like uh, this is when, you know, Papa Bear comes out to play. And Joel is like, you're going to tell me where Ellie is right now. So. Uh, obviously, after finding out what he needs to know, uh, after revealing Ellie's location, Joel kills both men. Uh, good. Ellie is, for- yeah, very good. Uh, Ellie is forced onto a table and held down. She tells Jay, uh, David he's infected and shows her her arm. 
with the men approaching, she tries to make her escape and tries to find a way out and back to Joel. Oh, Rain, it's really good that you talked about this because this review actually doesn't go into it. So, yeah, so yeah, Ellie just kind of gets to catch, gets to gets to turn the tables a little bit. Uh, meanwhile, Joel is approaching. Uh, eventually, Ellie and David hunt each other in a burning restaurant. So this is a really really crazy scene because everything's on fire and you can hear David. There's a certain mechanic in the game in order to find either people or infected where you could listen harder. And if you weren't on point with that listening button, you could, you could get sniped by David from like across the map. Like it was, it was not playing around. So, however, uh, Ellie grabs his machete and brutally murders him. So this is this is great. We just watch Ellie kind of do that like desperate, like stabbing far too many times just out of just anger and rage and desperation. And it is fucking great. The fact that like a fully grown woman like Ashley Johnson can make me convinced of like the pathos behind uh, a 14 year old girl just stabbing a man repeatedly in the chest, like just mm. Mm. Mm-mm. Good stuff. Uh, Joel actually Extremely pulls up. Joel actually pulls Ellie off of David, and uh, initially she thinks that he's a threat, so she starts screaming like, "I'll kill you! I'll fucking kill you! Get off me!" And he's like, "Oh, it's me! It's me! It's me! It's it's Joel." And the two of them just kind of—it's really a pivotal moment in their relationship because the two of them were so worried about one another. And Ellie is in this very, very vulnerable state in which she just killed a man. You know, like she really just stabbed the hell out of this dude who kept her in a cage, who she thought he was going to eat her, you know, and it's really she starts to cry and the two of them kind of hold each other. And it's really this is like more than mid game at this point. So it's really kind of their relationship is kind of sort of fully blossomed at this point. So um, obviously they, the two catch up and they get get back on the firefly path. But uh, winter is uh, winter's a lot to deal with in this game, isn't it? Yeah. It's, oh, boy. Yeah. Dang. It's just there's so much plot in such a short amount of time. And then they gave us the additional plot with the DLC where we found out what Ellie had to do even prior to this. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, so we're going to move on to the last section of the game, which is springtime. So, so far, uh, what would you guys have to say about this kind of this journey? I mean, they've really they've gone from Boston, Massachusetts to Salt Lake City, Utah. That's a, that's an extreme geological yeah. distance. Dude, I drove up to Rochester six fucking hours and I was exhausted. Like I can only imagine. And like, that's in the same state, the same state as opposed to multiple states. I've driven the entire East coast, uh, in like a setting. So that's a lot of travel. That's all I have to say about that. And only some of it was on foot, you know, only some of it was on. I mean, only some of it was by car. They lost their car. Like, not that you know it's still a good degree away from where they needed to be so i mean by foot that must be insane you know yeah. I'm, I'm 
I'm getting worried about myself in the apocalypse, you guys. I don't know if I'll have the physical stamina for it. I you know what? Their legs are going to look great. Thank you. We will, just, we will just hunker this little island down and make it our fortress. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm kind of attracted by the, uh, by the offer of, by the promise of nice thighs. You know, I think I might just, I'll, I'll, I'll trek. You know, I'll go, listen, I'll go doing walk. all that running and walking around, your legs are going to look fantastic. Absolutely. So Joel and Ellie finally reach Salt Lake City, where the hospital, where the fireflies are. Uh, so they, this is kind of another one of those moments of peace. And I'll tell you why. And I think I'm going to, you know, there's just been so much crazy nonsense. We just got over talking about Ellie, you know, uh, you know, perforating a man's chest multiple times. So I think we can kind of take a moment on this one on their way. Joel and Ellie head through an old zoo where they find a herd of giraffes peacefully walking through the site. Yeah, it's just cute. It's kind of like a Jurassic Park moment where they're like, oh, this is peaceful. It's kind of this like, you know, nature moment. Everything kind of feels uh, like a kind of light in the darkness uh, in the in the, you know, shadow of this huge looming foreboding apocalypse that you know, certain things just kind of carry on no matter what i think like i think it's really funny now that i think about it like imagine what a situation like this must look like to the animals perspective like yo <laughs> you know like the the giraffes are just sitting here like the humans what the fuck is ben, going on with them? Do you have any idea what's going on here? No, man, I'm just I'm just eating leaves. I literally just, just saw them like careen across the fucking field, eating one another. I'm just gonna, you know what? The leaves are up here. They're down there. I'm just gonna look up here. They're not bothering me. Just gonna look up here. There's like a horrible a horde chasing everyone around. It's just like I'm just gonna look up here. The giraffes are doing the right thing. They're minding their business, which is exactly like what they should be doing. All the other animals, it's just business as usual. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think man. that's like really important for something that wouldn't affect, like you said earlier, like it affects some of the insect population, but it does it affects a very small degree of the animal population. They're like extremely small mammals it can, it can handle. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But like something like a lion or like a giraffe. Oh, hell all that, no. All that's, yeah. All that stuff's going to stay the same. And I think that that's like kind of, oh, it reminds me of the, the Will Smith movie, I Am Legend, where he's like hunting and he sees the zebras and there's like a lion and stuff like yeah that that's like so interesting to me because so much of this uh game like everything's overgrown all the stuff that used to be commonplace is like you know covered in moss well and yeah it just goes to show you what humans have done to the planet and like what removing them from the top seat of the food chain or the top seat of control will do for the entire planet i think we i think we took a I think we took some some time to hang out with the giraffes, you know, and just fucking chill in the apocalypse. Uh, Joel then talks to Ellie and says that they don't have to go through with the Fireflies plan. They can simply live peacefully with Tommy in his encampment. So this is a major role reversal from the Joel that we saw earlier in the game, who was kind of just viewing this as a job. He's like, look, we don't have to do this. Like, you can just live with me and my brother. You can be my surrogate daughter slash ward and we can just you know ride this crazy little apocalypse out until we get infected or die 
So, yeah, it's kind of shows a, a great degree of character development on his point, not only within Ellie, but within himself. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was worth talking about. Uh, yeah. Ellie, Ellie tells him that everything that they've been through, quote, can't be for nothing. So Ellie is thoroughly still on board with the cure plan. Um, she's kind of like hoping that her life is, you know, a little bit more significant uh, than just, you know, kind of you know, waiting around if she's the only, you know, she doesn't know she's the only person that's immune. Um, but, you know, she knows that she is immune and she's like trying to, I think Ellie's character is a lot about uh, her immunity being kind of like her higher purpose in the first game. Uh, Rain, since you actually played, would you agree? Do you think that she really wants to like, do you think that she's after this cure? She, it doesn't give her character some kind of agency, you think? I feel like the further you get in the game, the more you see it from Ellie being like, no, like this is what we're going to do. Like I'm ready and willing to do what has to be done to get a cure, Hmm. especially after like you play the DLC and you see what happens with like Riley, like she's all for no, we need to get a cure for this. There needs to be a vaccine. There needs to be something. And if I have to, you know, do whatever, I'm doing whatever. Right. So I think these are these are very different. You know, these are very different characters than what we we had at the beginning of the game. The pair approaches the hospital through partially submerged ruins. They both fall into flowing water. And as we can remember uh, from the Henry and Sam scenario, Ellie cannot swim and almost drowns. Uh, So Joel kind of brings her up on the shoreline and tries to start uh, applying um, CPR to her to try to revive her, get the water out of her lungs. However, as he tries to do that, fireflies approach and tell him to stop trying to apply that, uh, you know, that life-saving maneuver and put his hands in the air. However, Joel, like, is like, she's dying. Please, you know, please don't do this. And that's very interesting because it kind of mirrors the situation he had with his daughter so very slightly. I always brought a little slight comparison between that. Whereas, you know, the, the fireflies is this it, the, is like saying, you know, put your hands up, you know, like don't fuck around, you know, something like that. Whereas the soldier was like, put your hands in the air. You know, we don't know what's going on. So uh, the fireflies knock Joel out where he walks up in a hospital room later on where he's greeted by Marlene. Marlene's been away for a little while, so for the folks at home, she is the leader of the Fireflies. Um, She assures Joel that Ellie is fine and that she's being prepared for surgery. Uh, Marlene explains... I remember this. Oh, yeah, this is the big moment. Oh, man. This is not only the big moment of this game, it is crucial to the events of Last of Us 2. Crucial. So... Uh, Marlene explains that to study the infection for a potential cure, they need to remove it from Ellie's brain, which will kill her. Big oof. Yeah, no good. As we remember, the cordyceps virus attacks, uh, kind of attaches to the brain and takes over the host. So she's infected. She is infected. But whatever her brain is doing, whatever, you know, uh, whatever her particular infection is, is up to, they need to get rid of it. And that's probably going to take a little bit of that pink squishy stuff with it. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Not great. Ellie will die in the process. Now, I don't understand. Like, we, this is like taking place in modern times. You could see, you could scan the brain 
Can't you? I mean, obviously, probably not with the materials that they have. Probably not with like, the materials. Probably not with the people that they need. Yeah, you know, I guess like, so. it's not probably not a not a lot of neurosurgeons knocking about in the apocalypse. You know, I don't know, man. I, I'm pretty Maybe. sure you could find one. <laughs> they they definitely did something though, where they like ran a test on her because they tell Joel they're like, oh, this part of her brain where the infection is is what's causing her to be immune. So they definitely scanned her. They did something. They didn't just cut her open and then put her back to cut her open again. (laughs) So So I think they did give her a scan. I just don't think they had a doctor skilled enough. I don't know. Maybe just fucking wait it out. Like, don't waste this opportunity. People are turning into mushrooms, Colton. We don't I, have gonna, I understand that. I understand people turn into mushrooms, but like, Jesus Christ, man, it's a 14 year old girl. Like, come I mean, on. All of, us, all of us are feeling a little angry right now, and you know who else is a little angry? Joel. Oh, yeah. Hello, Joel, Joel is pissed, <laughs> and he demands to see Ellie. However, Marlene definitely says no to that and instructs her men to make him leave. So Joel uh, is being escorted out of the hospital and quite like the thoroughly plot armored protagonist that he is, uh, he overpowers the fireflies and learns that Ellie is on the top floor. He then makes his way up to the hospital through heavily guarded areas. Finally finding the operating room, Joel enters the room to find Ellie lying unconscious on the table. One doctor threatens Joel with a scalpel, saying, I won't let you take her. However, Joel shoots him. Yeah, the other just outright. Too scared. Yeah, just fucking out the gate. Just like, here you go. That's another um, thing I love about this game. Like, the absolute lack of hesitation when it comes to killing people. Like, right from the get-go with Robert, she's just like, eh, wrong answer, pop. Just like immediately or the guards that like are right before you have to get to Robert. She's just like, all right, fuck this pop. Just like that's, that's the apocalypse, baby. That's, it's that's, that's, crazy. Anything goes. Anything goes. Uh, and speaking of anything goes, it says here, other surgeons, the other surgeons are too scared to move. And Joel picks Ellie up. However, <laughs> your, your character control is free at this point. And I thought, my first time playing this game, I thought you had to kill all of the doctors. <laughs> Turns out you didn't have to do that. So I just, you know, Colton, I know you're so- talking about people being trigger happy. I just I just <laughs> laid waste to that operating room. It was not good. Um, but yeah, so um, uh, you have to kill this one doctor, but uh, you, the other surgeons will just like kind of let you do what you do. Um, so Joel picks the unconscious Ellie up. So if you'll if you'll imagine, if you will, at home, um, he's got this young girl in his arms and where his hand is, uh, he's still got his pistol out like in, in, in like kind of the curve of where Ellie's knees bend. Uh, so he's ready to he's still ready to shoot. You know, he's still ready to scrap if necessary. And that's going to come in in, fe- in a moment. Um, so. Uh, Joel, then. uh enters the elevator and descends into the parking garage. Marlene confronts Joel, begging him to reconsider his actions. So she's like, hey, I get it. Don't do this. <laughs> like, 
you know, Marlene is very much in the opinion of kill one to save a thousand. Yeah. You know, she's, she doesn't really care if Ellie dies, if there's a cure. And, you know, I think that Joel, I don't really know. You know, I, 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 I like you said earlier, like you, you kind of want to have this paragon sense of no, you know, we don't trade lives. You know, one life is worth a thousand lives, you know, all that stuff. I don't know. You know? Nah, uh, you know what? I, I mean, I'm going to go with Marlena on that one. Uh, just because, like, you know, we're already at the point where that philosophy went out the window. You know, people are way dead at this point. And it's, um, it's, it's do or die. It's literally do or die at this point. But in this particular instance, you know, we have the fucking capacity to look at a person's brain without killing them you know like it's just in the search of a more practical way of doing it a practical way of doing it is accessible so why would you do the 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 other way when you can do the other way there was no way to make the vaccine without having that piece of ellie's brain and that i understand but Wait, also, so they needed the actual, um, they needed the physical piece of the brain yeah. to make yeah. the vaccine. Yeah, to, to remove it. They needed to remove it where the infection was and take that piece of the brain so they can oh, find out what shit. in her brain causes the immunity. Oh. So she had to die. And Marlene, if you collected the voice recordings, was very upset that Ellie had to die. Like she was really upset about it did not want to do it was trying to find a way to make it not be that way but it had to be that way and i also understand kind of from joel and his perspective of you didn't even ask ellie ellie was knocked out when we got here you didn't ask her if this is what she wanted to do this is a person this is still a human life she doesn't have to give up her life to save you yeah I think we. I, I really want to end with that kind of conversation. So let me get through um, the 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 final moments of this of this brilliant little narrative. Um, so Marlene tells Joel to reconsider. However, in order to help prevent the fireflies from pursuing them, Joel kills Marlene, and they the pair drive away with Ellie unconscious still in the back seat. So the leader of the fireflies is now dead. And the only person who could have helped save the world is kind of going down I-95 far away from the people who can help. Yeah. So Ellie wakes up as Joel drives back towards Tommy's settlement. She asks what has happened to her. Joel tells her that the Fireflies found many other people with immunity to the infection, but they had no luck of producing a cure and that they stopped trying. As the pair approach Tommy's camp, Ellie stops Joel and makes him swear that what he has said about the fireflies, about her immunity, and about the infection and the cure is true. Joel says, quote, I swear. And Ellie replies, quote, okay. And that is the story of The Last of Us. Oh, so, right up to the end, I agreed with him. Yeah. This is big dumb on on Joel's part. Big dumb energy. Yeah. Real smooth big brain head, stuff. Here. Big head, no thoughts. 
Big had no thoughts. He is just straight out lying to her. Not only, but like, this isn't like a typical lying to a 14-year-old type lie. This is fucking literally life and death, you know, where Mm -hmm. one piece of misinformation could doom the human race. Right. And she's the immunity. She's the immunity like center of this whole thing. Not a single other person has been found to be immune, right? Not, not, uh, not uh, at uh, present. I, I won't, I won't, uh, I won't spoil anything, but okay. in the in, events of last of us one. Yes. Right. Okay. So, you know, not a single person to their knowledge else is immune. She could be unique entirely in that fact. And, you know, just holy shit, man. Just lying about that. And then turning her against the fireflies. Yeah. Without a doubt. These people that, uh, you know, like, like rain said, Marlene was really fucked up, really sad about this because Marlene gave us Ellie in the first place at the beginning of the game. Yeah. So and like, it's obvious the two have a relationship of some sort. The, this ending, literally, I was talking uh, to my fiance about this earlier. I said, this ending pissed me off. Yeah. Like, I was really, and I understand, like I was saying earlier, I do understand it from Joel's perspective. I really do. He, like, sees her as a daughter almost. But I feel like in my position, and mainly because I have overwhelming anxiety and would make me feel guilty, I would have let them take Ellie and been like, listen, as long as you swear that you're going to get a cure out of this, okay. But for Joel to do all of this and then look her dead in the eye and go, yeah, no, I swear. I swear they gave up on finding a cure. There's so many people like you because he cares about her. Like, I was like, oh, wow. Fuck you, Joel. All right. Yeah, I I was not a huge fan of that at all. Just It's just so I get it. But, bro, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'd like to state that I am not a big fan of Joel, period, end of no, story. Just, just, just overall, like, I'm just like, all right, your daughter's dead. You know, there are people walking around like mushrooms. Yeah. Like, maybe she got off easy. Um, but at the same time, he kind of lets his paternal... That's it. Instinct, his he, own loss and kind of his own, like, sense of, I guess, validation and or, like, redemption get in the way. That's what it, I would say redemption instead of validation because thousands of lives. Yeah, he just wants to feel like I failed at saving my daughter. I'm not going to fail at saving Ellie, but that's all, that's as deep as that thought goes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to have one last mini conversation and then we can give our final thoughts before we wrap. But I'd like to know where, where do you guys feel like Ellie lands in all this? Do you think that Joel was right and that Ellie should have been, should give, you know, Ellie seemed to be like, Oh, we can't, everything can't be for nothing. You know, we have to have the cure. You think that if somebody just maybe asked Ellie, if she wanted to go through with it, that she would go through with it. Do you think that it would be right of them to kind of do this, you know, in, you know, we've kind of been focusing on the grander context and what's at stake on the macro level. But do you think that, you know, just doing this, even without her knowledge or consent would, because like she got knocked out at that point, she probably would have just not noticed. Just faded away, you know, faded away. 
what do you guys think? Like, do I you mean, think that? It's a hard question, man, because yeah, that's why I want to pose it. I mean, from a moral standpoint, everything in my head is screaming. People are people and they deserve to have a say in decisions, especially when it comes to the last one they would ever make. So it's but at the same time, the stakes are so ridiculous ridiculously high. I mean, the only way I could ever justify non-consensually killing Ellie for a, a cure is if it was the only possible option, you know, mm. to save humanity. Because I, I don't think you should let humanity die because of that one hurdle. You know what I mean? That's the oh. only possible way I can think to even remotely justify something like that. But right, cool. So you're on the fuck Joel train. I'm on the fuck Joel train. Uh, and right, I weird. think that like we, uh, the only possible way to come to that conclusion is to explore every other possibility to its po fullest potential first, you know? I, I, I get where you're coming from. You're always, you, you've been about try to find something else, you know, try always to try something to find different. something else. Cause you know, like nobody is nobody. There's no solution in the world that is going to benefit everybody, but you need to look for the solution. That's going to benefit the most people. Right. At, in right. all possible facets. I mean, I just, I understand that at the end of the day, this is an apocalyptic pandemic world and you want to save humanity. And I, while I don't necessarily agree with what Joel did, because, you know, that was pretty fucked up, Joel. I do agree on Ellie as a person. And they definitely should have just, you know, run a bunch of tests, wait for her to get up and be like, hey, listen, this is what has to happen. Like, we ran tests. This is why you're immune. This is how it works we need to kill you to get it out and make a vaccine. I, for me, like if I'm going in for a surgery and I find out that my, like the surgeon, the surgeon goes, Oh, your kidney could save Colton. And they just took my fucking kidney. <laughs> I'd be kind of pissed. Yeah. But that's like to save me, you know, not the entirety of humanity. But even so, what if the, what if their vaccine only makes you know, what if that little piece in Ellie's brain only makes one one vaccine? You're saving one person. Right. You get me? Like, I know we exactly don't know what you mean. What would happen? We don't have any of that information. Right. Which is what I was saying before to like explore every possible opportunity, like every possible option, because that is one of the options. You know, that's one of the possible outcomes. So one of the possible outcomes is that they kill her and her brain can't actually make a vaccine. And it was just unique. Exactly. To her. Exactly. And then look at that. She should have lived and she could have lived with her immunity and lived out a full life. True. True. That. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to say like fully I'm on the fuck Joel train, but I'm definitely like not on the, Oh my God, Morlina, you know, the fireflies are right. I'm in this gray area in the middle of just, you're checking the train times on the fuck Joel train. Yeah. Can I get on the, like, get the MTA I, I app? I like. wrote a few stops on the fuck Joel train. <laughs> I don't know. I was a psychology major and they made us do a bunch of these questions that were like, 
if there's one person tied to this track and five people tied to this track, which side do you let the train hit? And that's just, I literally feel like I'm back in psychology class. Yeah. With this. Okay. Well, obviously this game has a, a brilliant story. Obviously this game is very well written and well acted from a, you know, a, uh, a performance standpoint, but uh, what do you guys like about this game on a purely gameplay kind of level? It's great. I think it's great because, you know, it's realistic. You know, you're not going to find fucking bullets and ammo everywhere. It's just, unless you live like, you know, deep south, but <laughs> it, <laughs> so, or in Florida. But like, um, it's just it's realistic. The items you find are realistic. You're not going to find a fucking Bowie knife. You know, Joel has a shiv that he carved himself and you're just gonna, you have to use your hands. You're not going to be shooting everything all the time. If I was in a zombie apocalypse and most of the zombies were responsive to sound, I'd shut the fuck up and try and get around (laughs) them because I ain't trying to throw hands at something that doesn't get tired. You know? Yeah. I mean, like I, I said earlier, I really like that it's like very realistic. But one of my favorite things about this game is that it's all very heavily based on stealth. And I'm not one of those. Let me rush in and like beat the shit out of everything I see or, you know, shoot everything. So this was a game right up my alley because I love stealth and like having to like really think about, Oh, okay. I only have X amount of this item and I can either craft a med kit or like a bomb. What do I do? Mm, Right. That's like, I really enjoyed this game though. 10 out of 10. Gives you like a, a force to choose kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always rough when you have to decide where your alcohol is going to a Molotov or a med kit. Yeah. So I think that uh, I guess the 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 wrap up philosophical question here would be uh, we, we, we've talked at length about our, our zombie apocalypse plans. We've talked at length about what we're going to do. I think where we should probably end here is where where is your hard line? You know, I feel like at this point we, we found Joel's hard line and he would not let Ellie die. Like he wanted the cure. That was his whole, that was the whole reason he went through this odyssey in the first place. But he, his hard line was he would not let Ellie die for it. So I think to give you guys, uh, you know, kind of an idea of where I'm going with this, um, like the, the hard line for me, I think would be uh, not, I wouldn't want to hide my infection. You know, if I were to be infected, I would want to kind of go out in very dramatic fashion, very much like, uh, uh, you know, kind of very much send me out with a bang, very much Avery Johnson, very much like taking out as many of this threat that exists at once. You know, I wouldn't want to. I feel like it's equally selfish to kind of hide that uh, as it is to kind of do something like Joel does. You know, I feel like it's selfish to to put other people in danger because you're afraid of how they will react. I would just walk right up to you and I'd be like, look, guys, I'm bit, you know, it's happening. So strap all the strap, all the grenades and, you know, see four to me that you want and send me off into a nest. You know, let's let's make it happen. So I, I just wonder, you know, I feel like since this game is really a, a, a lot about morals and about kind of 
the struggle and the the human struggle through the apocalypse do you know where you would have to draw the line even in a situation like this i i think i do i have a very a very clear hard line in my heart and i have a circle of about 15 people in my life that i would search to, like to the ends of the earth to find in a situation like this and just make sure because I need to know that they're safe. And once like, let's say I find everyone in that circle of people of mine, that is defend these people until the end, you know, just keep them in my life for as long as possible, but to a rational extent, you know, like if I, if God forbid somebody gets infected, somebody that I love gets infected, you know, it happens. You know, it's it's that's just how it that's just how the dice fell. You know, you gotta deal with it as it comes. You have to deal with every situation as it comes. And I think my way of thinking normally, the the joke that I make all the time, I live in 30 second increments. I think that's a fantastic way to live in a, a situation like that. Because everything happens in 30 second increments. Mm. So I mean but like, I also think to your point, you were talking about what would happen if you got infected. I don't know, man. I feel like if you were to get infected and we were all involved in the decision making there, I feel like we would I would I would opt to have a waiting period, you know, because you could end up being immune. And, right? you know, <laughs> I would feel like if you're going to do the C4 and dynamite thing, like just wait until it confirmed happens and then throw you into that. <laughs> you yeah, know what it, I mean? It's wild. it's wild that you mentioned that because there are actual visual signs. When Tess notices that she was uh, infected at the beginning of the game before she dies, she compares her wound to Ellie's and she's like, I got bit two days ago. It's already looks a ton worse. So she's probably really immune. So, yeah, if, if that wound started to creep, I'd be like, all right, let's, you know, let's have another round tonight. You know, let's let's let's, let's drink the night away and I'll <laughs> do this in the morning. Exactly. So I, I appreciate that. Thanks. for. I would <laughs> never like I would never let you do that without perfect 100 percent confirmation. Are you kidding me? You're one of the 15 people. So oh, sweet. I figured, but I didn't want to assume. Yeah, you and I, Rain are one of the 15 are both two of the 15 people. So, oh damn! I made it. Nice. You absolutely just, made it. I just walk up to you with a, a like an empty hoodie sleeve, and I was like, "Well, the whole thing fell off, so I feel like we can do this." You know. <laughs> exactly. Um, to answer the question, I have a really strong set of morals, like really strong. So, like, in a sense of like, if I was infected, I would 100% immediately just say, "Hey, I got bit. Whatever y'all want to do with me, we're gonna do it," because people are people you guys deserve to know if i'm about to turn batshit crazy and kill all y'all you should get a head start yeah i would tell you guys immediately too i just and, and you know what i don't think i could hide it if i wanted to because the cool, my nature you would tell me in 20 seconds yeah. you'd be like that's my nature it. let's not talk about it hey rain look at my bite <laughs> <laughs> like that would exactly be you but like yeah. For me, like I said, I have this so such a strong set of morals that like I feel like for me, it's just ob like I'm obligated to say that. But also like with what Colton was saying, 
I would just take my immediate family and be like, all right, we're going to just do whatever we can. And if we survive, we survive. If we don't, we don't, you know? I mean, that's, that's the apocalypse, baby. That's for sure. How it be. And um, I think that the, the interesting part um, to, to this game to nowadays is especially when the characters go through um, areas with spores, uh, what they do is what you should do at home, which is wear a fucking mask. I mean, obviously not yeah. one as intense as that, but like put one on you filthy animals. Like just <laughs> come on. If, if the last of us virus can get into your lungs and turn you into a mushroom person, so can COVID-19. So please wear a freaking mask already. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Just do it. I just, I can't believe that we're still having this conversation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I can. I can. It's America. I can understand. But like, good God. Wear your damn mask. That's wear just wear your mask. Wash your hands. You goddamn nasty dirt people all right so let's go <laughs> and to all you mask wearing fans we hope you come back next week thanks for thanks for joining us for a little bit of uh, a look into the apocalypse absolutely that coffee was great by the way not gonna lie oh uh, right we should probably well, can't out. wait for colton to be infected in a day yeah well you know what i'll i'll call you in the morning and um you know if i eat my phone i'll let you know so. okay <laughs> Oh, Colton's Very calling fun. me. Except call. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> time to die. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.